Welcome to the fifth episode in the first season of Justice Center Weekly, a half hour with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Today we have with us lawyer Chris Fleury, who works with the Justice Center, representing Harold Jonker. Jonker, a trucker and company owner from Niagara, was recently criminally charged by the Ottawa Police Service with offenses relating to his participation in the Freedom Convoy protest in Ottawa back in January, February 2022. First, Chris, uh, welcome to the show, and maybe we could get you to introduce yourself before we turn to the topic, uh, Mr. Junker. What's your one-minute bio? Sure. Thanks for having me, Kevin, and, uh, and good afternoon, and uh, good afternoon to all of the, uh, the listeners out there. So uh, right now I'm a, uh, a lawyer with the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms. Um, before that, and sort of going back to law school, um, I'm someone who I would say always had the inclination that I was going to be, um, for lack of a better word, uh, fighting the power. Um, there was an, an initial uh, time where I thought I was going to be an employment lawyer fighting for uh, workers. I ended up in a, um, a program at Osgoode Hall where I was working with the uh, legal aid clinic through an internship. Uh, I ended up articling in uh, criminal law, so doing criminal law at the internship and then articling at criminal law, uh, doing a lot of defense work. Um, ended up finding my way into plaintiff side personal injury um, and suing insurance companies uh, on behalf of persons who had been um, uh, wrongfully injured or denied uh, insurance benefits, uh, which seemed uh, it seemed like a great career uh, for about six or seven years. Uh, I was very happy doing that, and then COVID happened, and it became quite apparent to me. Uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you my sob story, but it became apparent to me that there were more important battles that needed to be fought. Um, and I reached out to, uh, to John Carpe and uh, had a conversation and uh, it took me a little while to wind down my, my practice at that point. But then in 2023, I started with the, the Justice Center. Okay. Welcome aboard. Let's turn to the case at hand then. How's your client doing? Uh, Harold is, is quite upbeat, which is no shock to I think anyone who knows him. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Harold for the first time last week. Um, he's someone who, uh, he takes the charges seriously, but uh, every time that I'm on the phone with him, I, I find him cracking jokes. Uh, he is someone who, and again, this is not a shock to anyone who knows him uh, or has watched him on, on media. Uh, he's a faithful Christian and he finds uh, solace in that. I think it's fair to say, and that's, uh, helping him keep his head straight while he's facing these uh, uh, serious charges. Right. Well, these uh, criminal charges are different from other actions in the Justice Center, uh, which was involved with uh, Mr. Yonkers. Uh, was he facing any criminal charges in the past? Or could you pre briefly outline the various past actions he was involved with? They were mostly civil actions. Is that right? Yes. So Mr. Yonkers uh, has no criminal record. Um, he is presently facing, and I'll just go through the current charges or the charges that I'm representing him on. Uh, he's facing a charge of intimidation uh, by blocking or obstructing a highway. He's facing a charge of uh, mischief by that's interfering with the lawful use or enjoyment of property. Uh, and he's charged with, so that's two counts, and he's charged with another two counts of counseling those two same offenses. So he's accused essentially of encouraging people uh, or facilitating uh, those uh, those two offenses. Uh, 
so that's quite separate and apart, you're right, from some other uh, legal cases that Harold has going on. Uh, so he has, and these I'm a little bit less familiar with because I'm not his lawyer on those particular cases, um, but I do know that he is uh, he's brought an application for judicial review uh, in relation to some sanction that he faced uh, in his role as a uh, local town councillor. Um, so he is, that I understand is ongoing. He's also a defendant in the uh, class action lawsuit that the uh, citizens of Ottawa are prosecuting as against the truckers as a whole. And I understand that he is now a, a named defendant in that uh, civil action. So yeah, he's, he's right across this whole thing, at least with the Justice Centre anyway, he seems to be involved in this. These charges, of course, came just recently, uh, I understand it, the, the ones that you had uh, just enumerated, the criminal charges. That's right. Yes. So it was uh, just last week that I first became aware of it, that he reached out to me. Um, and it's been, it's really just been the last few weeks that he, uh, he turned himself in. And uh, yesterday, in fact, was the uh, first court date. May 10th, uh, that was his first court appearance on these charges. How did that go? Well, it's uh, perhaps it's beneficial to your listeners to just understand a little bit about what a first court date in the Ontario Court of Justice usually is, just so that I can situate it. The short answer is that it was totally uneventful. But uh, usually, essentially, there's, there's two types of first court dates. One would be if the issue of bail is to be determined. Uh, and in that case, you would be held by police following your arrest, and you would appear before a justice of the peace within 24 hours. And the issue for the justice of the peace for that day would be to determine whether or not you could be released prior to trial. So in Harold's case, uh, because he is just self-evidently uh, not a danger to the public, is not going to go on to commit criminal offenses and has every reason to show up for uh, his court dates, uh, he was released by the police officers on an undertaking. Uh, and that's just a promise that he made to the police officer. He signed a document that said that he would abide by certain uh, conditions, which is very usual for persons in his circumstances. Nothing unusual about that. Uh, so what the undertaking said is that the first court date would be uh, yesterday. Uh, and when a person in those circumstances shows up for a court date uh, at the Ontario Court of Justice for a first appearance, uh, in many cases, they don't have a lawyer. I would say in most cases, they don't have a lawyer. Uh, the Justice of the Peace will try to make sure they understand what's going on. Uh, if they do, they ask them, do you have a lawyer? And they say no. And uh, they say, well, maybe you should think about getting a lawyer. And the person says, oh, well, that sounds like a good idea. And uh, they get an adjournment for four to six weeks to, to get a lawyer. Um, and that will continue on uh, so that essentially the preliminary steps in the uh, criminal process can play out. And that means getting a lawyer. Uh, getting a copy of the disclosure package, reviewing that with your lawyer, um, speaking with the Crown Attorney, and then deciding where things are going to go from there. Um, that whole process typically takes about three months. Uh, Harold was quite uh, uh, prepared, and uh, by retaining a lawyer quickly, um, he got a head start in terms of that process. So uh, yesterday, uh, we had already requested disclosure. Um, in fact, the Crown provided us with a preliminary disclosure package uh, yesterday, um, and the matter was adjourned into June uh, with the idea that it would give us some time to review that disclosure, review it with Harold, uh, and speak with the Crown attorney if we're in a, a position to do that. 
Okay, yeah. I guess without getting too much into the specifics of the disclosure package, um, I just want to mention that a lot of the stories that I read about this, uh, these charges mentioned that Harold was involved in a documentary that was released by True North, and uh, he featured prominently in that. I, I wondered if that was mentioned at all in the disclosure, whether the police were using this as sort of a, a way to investigate, you know. So I, I want to emphasize that we're at a very early stage, uh, and it was sure. about 400 pages that were provided yesterday. Um, I had a chance to skim through them yesterday, but I'm still working through them. Um, I don't recall that documentary specifically, although what I can say is that uh, a very large part of the police investigation and of the case against Harold more generally is uh, what the police would call open source media. Um, uh, videos uh, on, on YouTube, other platforms, um, by, uh, in some cases, independent media, in some cases, live streamers who are streaming uh, the convoy and, and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of uh, what the police call open source video evidence. Uh, yeah, the, well, the reason I was asking about that is I know that a lot of uh, people, participants in the Freedom Convoy, I can't say a lot necessarily unless I can give a number, I suppose. But uh, many had charges dropped due to things like police not having notes and things like that. That's kind of what I was wondering about um, because we uh, we saw so many charges not being pursued because the police didn't seem ready to go ahead. Is there any indication that they're a little better prepared here? 400 pages, I suppose so. I, again, I, I don't want to comment too much on the specifics of the disclosure, okay. but the... Um, I, I would say that just by virtue of them bringing the charge, we're talking 14 or 15 months after the events that are at issue, um, it, it speaks to the seriousness uh, that the Crown is taking and, and consequently that we are going to be taking uh, in terms of his defense. Okay. Uh, at this point, do you have any idea of what kind of defense you'll be presenting? Uh, you know, we, of course, talk an awful lot here on podcasts related to the Justice Center about the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Are we looking at uh, freedom violations, anything like that involved here? Any charter-type things involved? Uh, again, it's it's difficult to say. I, I don't want to comment too much uh, at, the, too early. at this very early stage uh, in terms of what our defense strategy uh, is going to be. Right now, uh, we're simply reviewing the disclosure. We're going through the normal uh, criminal court process that includes uh, the videos haven't even been provided yet. So we're going to be, uh, I've already followed up and requested copies of those, which I'm sure we'll get in due course and uh, we'll be reviewing those and uh, obviously speaking with Harold uh, about uh, our opinions. Oh, okay. The other, um, the other can... piece perhaps oh. that might be helpful and this shouldn't come as a shock either is that uh, in receiving an initial disclosure package, it's usual to get what's called uh, a, a crown screening position uh, and the crown screening position in this case, uh, it should again come as no shock to anyone uh, is jail time. So the crown is seeking uh, jail time, even on an early plea for, uh, uh, for Harold um, given, you know, what, what I've read simply as a, you know, a, a concerned citizen reading about uh, Miss Leach's and Mr. Barber's cases um, and, and what happened in terms of their uh, bail hearings, et cetera. Um, again, I, I wasn't shocked by that, and I don't think Harold was either. But there was no bail requested here, right? This was a no-bail case, at least 
as of yesterday, right? That's that's correct. Yes, he was released on recognizance. And no conditions either. That's one of the things that came up in those other cases you referenced were heavy, onerous conditions, at least initially. There are, on any undertaking, there are uh, some conditions, um, standard conditions. I'm not going to comment on Harold's conditions, but standard conditions would be to appear for court, to appear for fingerprinting, to let an officer know about a change of address. Um, those sorts of conditions are what you'd usually expect on an undertaking. I can say that. Okay. All right. So fairly normal to this point, I guess, without getting into too many details, which obviously we can't get into. Any other particulars you want to bring up in this case? Yes, Kevin. So the, um, as I mentioned, there's been a 14 or 15 month delay in the, um, the time period between, as I understand it, the events that are at issue, which are relating to the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa um, and some statements that Harold is alleged to have made uh, shortly thereafter. Um, so we're talking 14 or 15 months from then until now where Harold is, is charged. Uh, the delay uh, has the very real potential to prejudice his defense. Uh, and the reason is that, uh, as we all know, memories fade. Um, witnesses uh, become harder to track down. Uh, videos or evidence can get, digital evidence can get deleted. Um, and this is all, I would say, um, uh, speculation at this point. I'm not able to say for certain that any, any of this is the case, but these are concerns that we have uh, given the delay uh, to date, that it is going to impact his ability to make, uh, to make full answer in defense. Okay, is that a, a standard concern when you're looking at a situation like this one where the charges are laid some 14 months after the fact? Is that, uh, is that pretty much a standard concern? Well, it's, it's a little bit unusual uh, to have charges. Uh, I would say it's quite unusual, actually, to have charges that are um, where the police know about uh, Harold. He's someone who's in the media. Um, where uh, there is some investigation uh, into him in particular uh, happening in, in 2022, uh, and then uh, a delay uh, until 2023 in, in charging him. And I don't know, again, I can't emphasize enough that uh, we don't know this, what the reason for this delay is uh, at this point, but it, it's unusual. You, you think of the standard case as a person uh, facing criminal charges, say they... Uh, they drove while impaired or they're uh, accused of domestic violence or something like that. And in that case, the police find them, they arrest them and lay charges uh, and the case continues from there. So it's, it's immediate. Uh, in some cases you have, for example, uh, again, talking about criminal charges, uh, you might think of like a, a victim of domestic violence might wait to make a complaint. And in that case, maybe it happens months or years later but once the police, they conduct their investigation relatively quickly, and then they, they lay charges as soon as they believe that they have uh, grounds to do so. Uh, this is, it, it appears to be unique. And again, uh, we'll, we'll wait to hear from the, uh, the Crown in terms of what, uh, what the source of the delay is. Okay, just to clarify there, you said unique, you're, you're speaking about the delay, the, the, the delay is unique here? It is, um, I would say it's, it's fair to say that it is unique. Uh, it's not common that you would see a delay of this length. 
where mm-hmm. the police and the crown were aware uh, of Mr. Jonker. And I'm not aware of any new details that would have been available to, or would have come to light uh, within say the last six months, the last eight months uh, that the crown just became aware of. Uh, I'm, I'm just not aware of that. But again, uh, we're going to wait to see. We're at very early stages, and we're going to wait to see uh, what the explanation is. Oh, okay. Fair enough. One of the things that caught my eye was this idea that, you know, it, at least in the way it's portrayed in the news stories that I saw, is that, you know, this was declared an illegal event, and therefore, you know, he's participating in an illegal event. And this was something that came up at the Public Order Emergency Commission hearings, you know, there was lots of contention about when it became an illegal event. And a lot of people like myself assumed, assumed it became illegal after the 14th, the emergencies act, it was made illegal. Is that an issue here at all? Uh, so Kevin, the, the issue in Harold's case is whether or not he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of these four separate offenses that I was uh, laying out, whether it's uh, mischief by obstructing property, whether or not it's uh, intimidation by blocking or obstructing a highway, uh, or counseling either of these two offenses. Um, and the issue, it's, it's going to rise, his case is going to rise or fall in terms of whether or not he's uh, guilty or innocent beyond a reasonable doubt of, uh, I should say guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of these, uh, of, of these offenses. Uh, one thing that's important to emphasize is that the uh, emergency declaration, first of all, he's not charged with breaching any uh, order made under the, uh, the Emergencies Act, um, but that also didn't... Uh, did not deem it illegal to protest against uh, the government's uh, COVID-19 mandates. And that's, that's important to emphasize as well. Oh, okay. So just lay that out. You know, the, the emergencies act didn't take away his right to protest and we can contend that these things that he was doing was a legitimate protest. I think that's what I'm thinking you're saying. Uh, again, I, I'm not going to comment on the charge okay. uh, uh, and in specific defenses that he's going to make. Um, but again, it's, it's going to rise or fall. The case is going to rise or fall on whether or not they can prove that he's, whether or not the crown can prove that he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of these charges. And, he, okay. and he's not, and he's not charged with breaching a, uh, an order under the, uh, emergency, uh, emergencies act. One of the things I wanted to ask you was regarding other charges towards other people, uh, because of course, Harold wasn't the only trucker there. And so are you aware of other people perhaps in his uh, orbit? So the, you know, he had truckers with him or perhaps other truckers that are facing similar charges. You know, this is, uh, it was reported that he was the one charged here. And I don't think uh, I've seen news stories of other people being charged with similar offenses. So I defend a, uh, a couple of other individuals who were charged in the context of the emergencies act. Uh, and the the protests in Ottawa, uh, neither of those individuals who I defend uh, were actually uh, alleged to be truckers. Uh, they didn't drive a truck to Ottawa or that sort of thing. Um, we are watching, um, and I am aware that a number of the uh, the leadership, if I can call them that, of the uh, the convoy protests uh, do have trials coming up in September in Ottawa. Um, and we are going to be watching that quite closely to see how the courts interpret, uh, particularly the mischief charges and counseling mischief. Um, Mr. Uh, Jonker's charges are obviously different than 
for example, Ms. Leach's charges or Mr. Barber's charges, or I should say the allegations are different. And just like in any case, the allegations are going to be a little bit different. The facts are a little bit different. Uh, so they may not be determinative, um, but we're going to be watching those cases closely just to see uh, how the courts uh, react to their defense strategy um, and how um, how the courts interpret uh, the charges and, and mischief and counseling uh, in the context of the Freedom Convoy. Okay. Well, I guess that brings up the final question, which would be timeline. What are we looking at here? You're going to be watching these other cases in September. I assume you're not going to court before that. What are we looking at in terms of timeline for these criminal charges? It's it's very early uh, to say. Mm. Um, the Crown, because of this delay, the Crown is forced to proceed indictably, which means that uh, Harold has some rights that he may not have, or he would not have if the Crown was proceeding uh, summarily, it doesn't include a preliminary inquiry, unfortunately. Um, so there are, um, but it could include, for example, a trial in the Superior Court of Justice. Um, we haven't made, the, we're at such early stages that there's no determination that's been made at this point. Um, I'll say this, though, that uh, in, any, um, uh, in any criminal case, there's a decision to be made by the uh, accused person, and that decision is whether or not to uh, take the case to a contested trial or whether or not to uh, resolve the case with the best deal that they're able to uh, negotiate. And usually that's what's called a plea deal. Some, in some cases, there are ways to resolve things without a plea. Um, but from my understanding, uh, none of these uh, cases uh, involving the Freedom Convoy have resulted in uh, plea deals uh, that I'm aware of. I believe the vast majority of them have headed to trial and my sense is at this point is that that's where Mr. Jonker's case is, is headed. Um, I believe that most of them have gotten to trial within a, uh, what the courts would call a reasonable amount of time, meaning within 18 months. Uh, so I would expect that uh, around that time period, we're going to be, um, uh, we're going to be trying Mr. Jonker's case. Okay. Just to clarify here then, because I'm, bit confused. Did he plea yesterday? Did he plead yesterday in his court case? No, there's there's no expectation to plead uh, guilty okay. guilty on a on a first appearance. Okay. I wasn't sure. Okay, well that's great. Uh, thanks a lot for filling us in. There's a lot of unknowns at this point, of course, but uh, we're glad to hear that you're up on it and you've got some disclosure. Uh, they didn't give you any timeline for the rest of the disclosure, did they? I suppose that's kind of open-ended. No, um, I'm not really expecting delays, that it's been pretty quick, to be frank, in terms of getting the disclosure that we do have. Um, the videos, uh, it's not unusual, I should say, to, um, to have some paper disclosure come first and then videos follow shortly after. Um, mm. But that, again, it, it'll come in due course. Good. Okay. Well. Glad to see he's in good hands. Thanks a lot, Chris, for uh, taking the time to explain uh, to us this uh, situation at this particular time, and I'm sure we'll keep keep the audience updated, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks a lot, Kevin. It's a real pleasure.